This is episode 64, The Drama Triangle, From Victim to Creator. Welcome to the Perspective Detective Podcast, where you are joining me on a quest to seek the Lord's perspective and to bridge faith with the life coaching tools that I have gathered and self-help knowledge to find joy and freedom in living in our true identity and in improving our relationships with others. Let's begin. Hello, my friends. Okay, I want to start this episode with a disclaimer. I use the word victim frequently, and I define this as someone or a thought process in which outside circumstances or people are in control rather than the actual person, rather than yourself, okay? I am not referring to real victims of crime or abuse. That is a separate topic. Again, the victim that I'm talking about is a mindset, okay? All right, let's go in. Okay, so one of my most helpful and favorite perspectives or frameworks that I use in my coaching and also one that has changed my life is that of recognizing the victim mentality and learning to shift out of a victim mindset and into one that is going to move you forward toward empowerment, toward healing, and toward achieving, okay? But before we talk about the solution, because I know we just want solutions, we actually first need to recognize what it looks like to be a victim because we can't change things until we can first see the problem clearly and honestly. We've got to diagnose first and then we can give a cure. Okay. So a psychological researcher named Dr. Stephen Karpman in, I think the sixties, so a long time ago, came up with a framework called the drama triangle. And it essentially contains three faces of a victim mentality that shows up in three different ways, which are interchangeable and play off of one another. His drama triangle explains much of the ways that the natural human operates both within ourselves and within our relationships with other people, as well as our given circumstances. So I want you to imagine an upside down triangle. Okay, so where the point is facing down and then the two are on the top. And also a hamster wheel at the same time. And you'll see why as I explain, because all of the three roles in the drama triangle, or I also sometimes call it the faces of victim thinking, they all just play off of each other in an ongoing cycle, like a hamster wheel, but he draws it like a triangle. So that's what we're going to go with. Okay, so the three roles are first, victim, second, persecutor, and the third, rescuer. The victim is the obvious one. So we'll start with that by delineating what it looks like when we're spinning in a victim mentality. Victims think things like, I have no choice. People make me do things. Or, oh, poor me. Everything is so unlucky. It's someone or someone else's fault. I'm in this situation or it's someone else's fault that I am this way or something's fault that I am this way, right? Especially if we think we're unlucky. Okay, the victim's responsibility is low. The victim waits for circumstances to change and assumes that they must change for anything to get better for them. The victim is reactionary, gives up very easily, and places a lot of blame or sees a lot of blame, okay? The victim 
takes offense easily and will often take things very personally, whether what is said or done was meant to be personal the victim will take it personally, okay? They're looking, not looking to be offended, but is easily offended. The victim definitely also does not like to be called a victim. They'll probably get super defensive about it. So a super easy example that I often give of the victim is in motherhood, thinking about cleaning my kitchen, okay? After dinner, I have to clean the kitchen. I use the words have to right there. Okay. I have to clean the kitchen and thinking about like, oh, I have to clean the kitchen. Nobody else helps me. Oh, poor me. That's very much in a victim mindset. Okay. So we're going to put a pin in that. Okay. So the next one, there can't be a victim without a villain or as Dr. Karpman calls it, a persecutor. Okay. The persecutor's role in the victim triangle is one that won't accept responsibility or accept blame. Therefore, the persecutor pushes it onto others. The persecutor also gets defensive easily and must prove that it's someone else's fault. The persecutor um, is often very critical, angry, rigid, thinks they're superior. The persecutor thinks that everyone else should think the same way as they do. And if they did, then everything would be better. Okay, so going back to my my kitchen example, I would probably think that either the kitchen is my persecutor, right? The kitchen being messy is a persecutor that's making me a victim to have to clean it. Or I could think maybe my kids are the persecutors because they don't help me. Anyway, so I'm just going to kind of go with that example a little bit here. So the victim always sees the persecutor as the cause of all their problems. The persecutor may seem like they know best. Okay, if we're talking about a person, the persecutor is someone that always has to win. They're very critical. Um, Think like controlling spouse, authoritarian parent, or a bad boss. The persecutor is that dominant, like domineering role and places a lot of blame on the victim. Um, The persecutor also may be one to be very reactionary and defensive and also manipulative. Okay, something important to keep in mind, though, is the persecutor can be a person or a circumstance. So again, with my example with the kitchen, the persecutor could be, it's the circumstance, the kitchen, right? It could also be an injury, an illness, a financial situation. It can be whatever is making the victim think that is keeping them stuck, okay? If the persecutor is a person, they're often driven or motivated by fear and insecurity. They're so afraid of feeling like a victim or feeling controlled that they overcompensate and turn to being a defensive persecutor. That's their way of maintaining a delusion of control. Or the persecutor is sometimes only a persecutor or a villain because the victim sees them that way. It could be that they are none of those things that I just said, but the victim has to have a villain in order to be a victim. That's what keeps the victim in uh, a sense of power. It's, It's twisted, but it happens. This is a really important point to remember. All right. The third role is the rescuer. The rescuer. So many, many of my clients fall into this role. Women especially who love to give also love to be rescuers. And when I teach my clients about this and how this is a form of victim thinking, 
a light turns on and things start to change and shift. So this is one of my favorite roles to teach. The rescuer is a point in the drama triangle because the rescuer sees others as victims and also needs others to be a victim so that the rescuer can prove her value by helping. I'm so sorry, moms, but we are often the worst offenders of this. We need our kids to need us so that we feel like we have value. This happens, okay? But the thing is, what happens is when the rescuer does not get the gratitude deserved, desired, or expected, then they slide over to the victim role and it's back to poor me. No one cares about me. I'm not good enough. The things that I do are unappreciated. And this is where I kind of talked about we're going to shift into all the different roles. Like the rescuer then becomes the victim. The rescuer either needs somebody else to be the victim or then they feel like a victim when they don't get the gratitude that they expect. The rescuer also sees themselves as a hero and also others see them as a hero, right? Um, The rescuer feels like they have to save everyone. They believe that the victim can't help themselves and they must protect the victim from the villain. But what they're actually doing is keeping the victim in that role, in that helpless role, preventing them from taking responsibility and working through their own problems and building resilience and necessary growth of learning and that necessary development. The rescuer sometimes subconsciously feels superior to the victim. Maybe subconsciously, maybe consciously, but we're going to go subconsciously. (laughs) The rescuer wants to jump in and save the day. They want to feel needed. They think that they need to feel needed, again, to feel valued, and they want to make a difference. I mean, who doesn't? Come on, we can all relate to this. They need this role to feel worthy. They may think that if others rely on them, then it's proof that they're good enough. And if they are relied on by others, then that also means that they're important. The rescuer gets their value based on how much they are needed. They also do a lot of things out of guilt. I'm looking at you, my people pleaser friends. The rescuer does things out of guilt, again, because they think that that is the only way that they will feel valued. Rescuers don't take proper care of themselves, and ultimately, the victim does not actually get what they need, which is agency and creation. They need resilience. They need problem-solving skills. So victims will almost always assume that they themselves are blameless and should not be held accountable because it's not their fault, right? Because there's a villain that's persecuting them. They always find a persecutor or a villain and seek for a rescuer to save them. Because if it's not their fault, then they can't be held accountable and then they're not responsible, right? Okay, so I want to emphasize again that all of these are normal and there's nothing wrong with you if any of this sounds familiar. Also, it is crucial that we recognize where we're currently at before we can make any changes. Or maybe you're someone who heard all of this and you thought of someone else. That's fine because there are definitely people in your life who play these roles And it's the most natural human operating system. If I didn't say that before, I'm going to say it again. This is the most natural human operating system. Um, But it will be so much more helpful for you if you look at how you play in to the drama triangle and what role shows up for you the most often. Okay, I told you that this is a triangle. 
because there are the three different roles and they each sit in a corner. But I also said it feels like a hamster wheel to me because, again, these roles become very interchangeable. We all fluctuate between these roles and sometimes we have them all at the same time, like within ourselves, or we place other people in two of the roles. Like the same person can be a persecutor and a rescuer. Um, and you can't have one without the other. And it's just this ongoing, ongoing cycle. So if I'm in the rescuer role, I am seeing someone else as a victim. And I'm also looking for a persecutor. If I'm in the persecutor role for someone else, it's probably because I actually feel like a victim and trying to keep power through defensiveness, right? Sometimes the roles are played by the same people or circumstances. Again, the role the victim sees as the persecutor may also be the rescuer. This happens a lot in marriage relationships and in parent-child dynamics or just with people in general, like, right? I mentioned bad boss in the persecutor role. Like we may see our boss as mean or bad, but we also want them to change and to give us a promotion or to give us a raise or something to rescue us from a situation. So ultimately, there's no winning in the drama triangle. There is no winning. We can't change, like turn the persecutor into the rescuer and now the victim has won. No matter what role you find yourself in, there's no winning. (laughs) The only way to win is to step out. And the first step to removing yourself from the drama cycle is awareness. Pay attention to yourself and the dynamics in your relationships and your thoughts. Just ask yourself where you feel you're falling in the triangle and try to find where the other roles are. Remember to look at this without any shame or blame. It's totally all natural and normal and always makes sense. Look for where these roles are showing up through a lens of grace and curiosity. David Emerald came up with an antidote to the drama cycle that he calls the empowerment dynamic. And he wrote a book called The Power of Ted. Super easy read. I recommend it to everybody. But my favorite part, and I think the most important part to know, is that the opposite of victim is creator. There is an opposite to victim, and it is creator. So if the drama triangle or the victim cycle is an upside down triangle, we're going to draw the empowerment dynamic right side up. Okay, so point facing upward, upward toward the heavens, my friends. So upward triangle, the top point instead of victim is creator. What's a creator? A creator is someone who embraces and recognizes themselves and others as free agents. Viktor Frankl, my favorite psychologist and influencer, I could probably quote him in every podcast that I ever do. He wrote the book, Man's Search for Meaning. And in his story, he shares the reality of living in a concentration camp, the inhumanity, the disease, the cruelty, the way that the prisoners were so severely starved and broken down physically and psychologically. And yet he says that even when they were so depleted and abused, he observed that because people had different reactions to their treatment, this proves that man always does have choice of action. He says in his book, and I quote, there are enough examples 
often of a heroic nature, which proved that apathy could be overcome. Irritability suppressed. Man can preserve a vestige of spiritual freedom, of independence of mind, even in such terrible conditions of psychic and physical stress. He goes on to say, we who lived in concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts, comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread. They may have been few in number, but they offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. Viktor Frankl taught us that we are not victims, that being in a victim mindset is a lie and a choice. Isn't that ironic? Being victim is a choice. Truthfully, you are always a creator. But whether or not you're stepping into the creator role is still up to you. So what is a creator? It's what Viktor Frankl said. It's one who chooses their own way, their own attitude, despite circumstances or people. A creator recognizes where their agency lies, where they have power and ability to control. A creator has healthy and loving boundaries. A creator has poise. And I highly recommend you go listen to podcast episode 62 for more on poise. A creator focuses on future outcomes, takes full responsibility, and will take action to achieve a goal. A creator says, I'm focused on what I can do and can create. A creator says, I'm going to grow. I'm hopeful. A creator is inspired and resilient. My dad has always told me this quote or this thought of, I am a lion. A lion either wins or it learns. A creator does not dwell on the past. A creator is focused on the future and building a vision. A creator maintains internal freedom and takes responsibility. A creator takes baby steps because they're always in an energy of forward movement. They don't stare at the elephant and think, I can't eat this elephant. They take one tiny, small bite at a time, no matter how small. A creator says, I have a choice. A creator also recognizes and allows themselves not to do things. So this is literally my super secret power. <laughs> this is how I get myself up and go to the gym at 6 a.m. every morning. A lot of people have actually asked me about this lately. And this is it. When my alarm goes off at 5.30 and my tired brain says, I don't want to wake up, and my persecutor brain says, you have to wake up, then my creator self steps in and says, no, I don't have to. I have a choice. I do not have to get up. And when I recognize that I don't have to wake up, that I do not have to exercise, that I do not have to do anything, then freedom energy is ignited. And I recognize that I actually want to get up. And then baby steps happen. And this happens every day. We are all made to be creators, my friends. It is our inherent, innate gift from God to have free agency. And our souls absolutely hate being restricted. We tend to rebel when we feel our agency is restricted, even when, and mostly when, it's a self-imposed restriction, a self-imposed judgment, a self-imposed obligation. Okay, moving on. When the victim steps into the creator role, 
all the other roles change too. This is actually what I think is really cool about this is that when we just decide we're creators, then everything else changes as well. So the persecutor, which is the victim's nemesis, instead becomes a challenger for the creator. Okay, A challenger is like tough love. It's the thing that helps the creator become more self-aware. I think of like hard professor or mean professor, the one that's there to teach you things but doesn't make it easy, isn't going to spoon feed you an A, doesn't give you extra assignments, but all of the resources are available for you to learn. And the hard professor allows you to decide how you're going to earn your grade. The challenger also helps change and growth happen. The challenger can now be seen not as an obstacle, but as an opportunity for growth, for introspection, for change. And then the last one, the opposite of rescuer is coach. A coach believes people are resourceful and creative. A coach is compassionate, but not attached to the outcome. Again, this is a big role shift in relationships, especially in families like parents or spouses. We need to see our children as capable creators in order to be a coach rather than a rescuer. Our kids, even though they started as babies, also inherited divine agency and creator attributes. A coach asks questions. A coach helps the creator develop resourcefulness and clarity and resilience at the level that they're ready. A coach empowers the creator, uses positive reinforcement, trusts the creator is whole and not broken. The coach doesn't fix everything. The coach is there to support. Also, big one, the coach doesn't need praise or recognition because it's not about them. It's just about supporting the creator and helping the creator be who they need to be. Okay, I love this framework because it's so easy to find all the roles in our lives. And when we can spot the role, it makes it possible to make a conscious shift. So that said, I believe ultimately for ourselves, it all comes down to being a creator. Because when you're a creator, you see others as creators. And when we see ourselves and others as creators, then none of the other roles matter as much because we just fall into whatever the proper response is to another creator. That said, in the next few episodes, I'm going to dive deeper into what it means and what it looks like to be a creator, because that is what will move us forward. Being a creator is what creates joy and freedom in our lives and to me, that is the ultimate goal. Um, like with my example, with waking up in the morning, creating freedom energy moves us forward. Being a creator is who you are meant to be. Being a creator will make you a better parent. Being a creator will improve your marriage. And best of all, being a creator will bring you closer to God if you desire. So I would love to hear your thoughts on this topic. What stood out to you? What would you like more clarification on? What do you want to do differently going forward? How can I support you? Please reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook with any of your thoughts or questions. There's a link in the show notes to my Instagram if you're not already connected with me. And also, if you are not following the podcast and get the automatic updates, you're going to want to click the follow button now because I have some really great stuff coming up, some interviews with other creators who know more than me and have a different perspective. And I'm really excited to share those discussions with you. Okay, that's all for now. 
My friends, as always, be watchful and stay curious. Hey friends, just one last thing. I know listening to a podcast is a really great way to consume helpful knowledge and tips on your own time. But if you want to personally apply the things that you're learning on the podcast, but you don't have a big chunk of time to schedule a coaching call, then you might enjoy Marco Polo coaching. I'm offering exclusive Marco Polo coaching for you who is ready to take what you're learning here on the podcast and get personalized coaching to move forward with having more joy and freedom and really create the progress and results that you want to see in your life. So just click the link in the show notes to find the details and we'll get working on co-creating something amazing without having to schedule a big chunk of time.